Uh, I went through a lot of bad experience to get where I'm at, so I've, I've made almost, you know, I would say about every single mistake that you, you can make. You definitely need some experience in high-pressure situations. The more you get of that, the better off you're going to be. But you also need to be solid mentally. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bearbell Project. Uh, so this is a little bit of a different episode. As you guys have seen, we are venturing out, doing more than just interviews, um, doing some form eval stuff. And now we have coming up some equipment reviews. The equipment reviews are uh, going to be a series. It's going to be uh, a series of podcasts, uh, you know, discussing the equipment that um, I will often recommend or get for kids developing and, and getting into the sport. Um, all the way through advanced equipment. And we're actually going to go over um, the equipment that both uh, John and hopefully Grayson, um, their like legitimate list of equipment uh, and go through those things. But first, shout out to Mr. Rick Stonebreaker. Um, I get a lot of requests for this and it's tuning questions. Um, so we figured that, you know, Tuning for barebow is a very simple and easy to follow um, uh, pamphlet, flyer, PDF that Rick Stonebreaker put together. Um, and I want to go through that because it's available online, but I don't know always if the explanation, you know, just reading it, sometimes people just don't get it um, and they need a little bit more, um, you know, insight into that. Um, and for purposes of discussion today, I have a couple of items with me. I have uh, the trusty uh, AAE free flight here. I have, this is like my, my go-to um, tube of backup equipment. So like I always have a, you know, a free flight because that's what I use for Barebow of a free flight and an XL gold AAE plunger. Um, I have my original biter plunger that I also use as a backup. And I have my Spig ZT here um, that subsequently is missing a wire. Um, but, you know, anyways, I wanted to uh, go through this, this um, tuning for barebow and try to answer some questions uh, that a lot of people have all the time. So you can just kind of refer them to this episode to talk about or understand tuning. Um, so I'm going to go through it. The manual is a guide for basic barebow tuning and only addresses the most common styles that help archers get to started tuning their bows and arrows. You must uh, or should adapt the techniques described in the manual for your chosen style, more complex matters are left to the reader's experimentation. Barebow tuning is not as straightforward and recurve tuning due to many different styles of barebow archery. There are significant differences in where barebow archers anchor and where they place their fingers on the string. These differences separate face walkers from string walkers and from traditional archers. Underlying terms are explained in the glossary um, at the end, and you guys uh, can check that out on your own. So section one is talking about plungers. The plunger is a spring controlling horizontal movement. Um, when tuned properly, the plunger will prevent the arrow from moving in past the center 
in the case of an improper shot. So, you know, the idea of a plunger, you know, what, what is a plunger? Well, plunger has an adjustment on the spring on this AAE plunger. You can see there's a locking mechanism here. There's markings on it. And um, there's a way to, to change your center shot is by loosening this one and turning it. And ironically, I have it. I have it tightened. Let me just pull out the reason. One of the one of the many reasons. Yes, they are a sponsor of the Barebell Project. Yes, I advocate for um, AAE because of their support of Barebell Archery. Um, not not to say that others aren't awesome. Don't make awesome stuff. I just want to say that when when people are willing to step out of side the box of Olympic recurve archery and support others, people trying to grow the sport. I support those people. Um, that being said, AAE is definitely my choice. Now, one of the reasons I love the AAE is because uh, all of the Allens are standard. <laughs> it makes life a lot easier because my one Allen wrench fits all the AAE free flight and my plunger. So I don't have to worry about carrying these little doohickeys around with me all the time. And if you've ever lost one and you need it, you know how much of a pain in the butt it is. So quick review of like this A plunger and how you adjust it and how you have to make changes. Um, the, the, the first screw here is the screw that you will loosen to change your center shot. Okay. And we'll go over that a little bit um, when we get closer to that part of this document, the bare bow, uh, tuning for bare bow. But you have to loosen this set screw and turn the entire plunger to change your distance here in relationship to where you want the end of the plunger to set your center shot, right? Now, in order to change the tension on this plunger, so say once you have your center shot set, you get it pretty close and you're fine tuning for aeroflight groups and um you know to hit center and you start playing with clicks on your plunger right this has a set screw right here in the middle right there right there and you will have to keep that loose and you turn the um button on the end that has a little little ball in there a little um like ball bearing in there for clicks that takes it the tension in and out of the spring that's inside the barrel um you know that's essentially your first initial is essential tuning is setting the center shot we'll go through where that's at um of the center shot here in a minute and then next is the tension in order to um go through trying to finite your your tune string alignment so string alignment for center shot some archers like to adjust the plunger in the center shot position. Um, figures are shown below. That is, it's okay. Plan to use the tuning for tens method designed for recurve. Various archers learn that placing the arrow off center by half a diameter of the arrow for a right-handed shooter, that would be left off center to the left, is better start for bare bow tuning. Some archers have gone further away from center shot. Do not be afraid to experiment. Just center shot to adapt to your particular style. Um, figure four is for left-handed archers. So you can see where this is set. It's right at the end of the plunger. Um, figure one is showing the arrow directly behind the string. 
Now you will see an Olympic recurve. And I mean, I know in Baribow the way I do it, I honestly, like, it's not finite. It's just, I get it close. I put the, I put it so that the, the arrow starts out behind the string. And at the end of the arrow, um, I'm about a half shaft to the left of the string when I put the string down um, through the limb bolts and down the center of the riser. So, you know, when you're lining that up, you're standing behind the bow, lining the string up between the riser, the, the limb bolts, the inside locking bolts. Um, and then you're lining up the arrow just left of the plunger. Um, the reason that's been sort of like a common denominator of sorts um, is um, because the paradox of the arrow, as the arrow comes out of the bow, it flexes. And when it flexes, it's going to actually come off, go right, flex off the plunger, and then come around the rest of the, the, um, um, the rest. So no, that's why you start left because of the way that the, that's kind of like the popular, what's the word? Let's put it this way. In conversation with Dick Tone last weekend, we talked about this a little bit in depth privately on, on, on the side. And um, that was one of the things that he had mentioned that that was the reason that recurve archers have traditionally set up the recurves that way. Um, I honestly, I think I always thought it, just never heard anybody explain it. Knock point, figure on the right is starting to knock your, your, your knock point. Brass knock sets are to be moved up and down until the correct position is determined. During the tuning process, more information of setting the knock point may be found in section three on page six. So, you know, here Rick shows the knock sets, the brass ones. I do not use them. Mm. I'll be honest with you. I hardly ever use them. Um, they're okay, like for like a, a beginner, shoot, a beginning shooter. Say a coach needs to set um, the the knock set, and you're trying to just get like a general tune. Whatever you do, though, make sure you always have two, not just one. Because when you start to learn to string string walk, if you don't have proper knock fit, those knocks can start sliding down and stuff like that. And you don't want that. Just for overall consistency, make sure you have an upper and a lower knock knock set. It just seems to help. Um, and again, for consistency purposes, you want to have that. Um, I don't like the knock sets because when you do have your fingers up next to the knock, they're bulky and and you know they dig into your finger again it's just like an inconsistency thing you know longevity of your tab I and mean, you could add all kinds of reasons why um essentially if i'm going to use one i'll use it just to find the tune and then i will tie in a knock set for kids i try to make them un unmovable um, i do like a little bit of a high uh, knock set um, and I've got to the point now where like with all the kids bows, I just have a general idea and I know where I don't get overly worried about arrow flight as long as they can, you know, as long as the arrow flight is decent, typically they're shooting feathers. So they're more forgiving, um, you know, because early on, like tune, isn't really the focus The early on is shot process is the focus. Um, and that should be with any new shooter. Uh, we we've discussed it on the podcast many, many times and, you know, people get very, 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 uh, like over bear, overly worried and obsessed about tuning 
but they can't keep a softball size group at 20 yards. Like you're worried about the wrong things. Um, because if you have crappy form and you tune to crappy form and then you, um, long story short, say your form starts to get better, your tune's going to change and it's going to be frustrating. You know, really concentrate on your shot process. Concentrate on, on, on those things early on. All right, I'm going to try not to go down that rabbit hole again. Um, so with knock points, um, this is a general idea. Like I'm usually high, um, I like a high, a high knock point. It depends on clearance, depends on what fletchings we use um, and set up. Uh, you have to have, you know, proper point weight, proper arrow length, so on and so forth. So that's, this is a general start, but you, you got you to learn to figure it out on your own uh, is what you need to do. Um, paper tune setup. I'll be honest with you. Um, I do not, I do bear shaft. I do not paper tune. Um, but I do bear shaft and bear shaft is important, uh, especially if, you know, for forgiveness purposes. Um, sometimes I just, cause I have, a, I've gotten to the point where I have a general idea. I don't bear shaft all the time. Um, probably should more often, to be honest with you. Um, bear shaft is an arrow without fletching. If you shot a short distance through paper or target mat, bear shaft will reveal improper movements and aerodynamics and it will not have the same time to straighten out the flight of the arrow. It will fly through the paper at an angle, creating a tear indicating the tune is incorrect. Fletching would straighten out the arrow's flight and make it this first stage of tuning more difficult. You may have several bear shafts to establish a pattern, evaluate before beginning the next step. Uh, you know, Rick goes through the, the frame here, explains what a bear shaft is, et cetera, et cetera. Then he goes into the method. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not going to run through this whole process. I am more concerned about getting a bear shaft to hit um, relatively close to my groups at 20 yards, um, 18 meters. Um, but he, you know, this explains if you want to dive into the full bear shaft, uh, paper tuning, et cetera, et cetera. You know, again, you are, you are, you have to understand the dynamics of the arrow and where it's going to hit in relationship to a bad tune. Um, I've set up so many bows at this point, you know, in the beginning, it was all, it was Greek to me. You know, but now I don't, um, I don't get really overly worried or anal about it. Um, bear shaft tears up. Uh, the bear shaft goes through the paper and the point low and tail high. The knock point is too high. Move the knock point lower down the bowstring again. So that, that also identify is where those brass knock points can come into effect because they're so much easier to go in there, loosen it, move it, tighten it back up, done. Whereas you tie on the movable knock points and they're a little bit of a PIA and they don't always like those, they're, they're great when they're great, but if they loosen up, they'll move on you. And then you're, if you don't pay attention to it, you could be chasing your tail on a tune. So, you know, once I get a good tune and I know that it is like a final tune, I'm putting permanent tie on knock points on there, just, you know, over and under overhand knots over and under the, um, uh, the string. Bear shaft tears paper down, tears down. The bear shaft goes through the paper with the point high, tail low. 
the knock point is too low, move the knock point higher on the bowstring. Um, note, you may also experience diagonal tear, which is, which is common. Fix the knock point first, and then diagonal tear should be mitigated to a horizontal tear. Verify your brace height, so make sure it's correct, and then adjust the knock point until the tear is neither up nor down. Shoot as many bear shafts as necessary to be sure the consistency of your results. Each step in the process should be completed before beginning the next step. Also take note that if you are getting left and right tears, it could be torque on your grip. Um, if you have, you do not have a really relaxed um, and uh, consistent, you know, 45 degree grip in that palm, that thumb pad right here of your bow hand, you can put torque on the grip and create a false tune. Um, it's super, super important. It's one of those reasons that we emphasize never, ever adding any tension into the bow hand. It's one of those things that you sort of have to, you know, you deal with, like if you're a, like a grip seer shooter or something. However, as it's been duly noted since the rule change, um, any kind of subconscious trigger is no longer allowed in world archery. Um, horizontal tear, an improper release will cause the shaft to act stiffer and create a larger tear. Take enough shots that you are satisfied the release is not affecting results. Um, you know, that's a prime example of why we talk about form first, finite tuning later. Um, you need to be consistent. You need to physically work out the movements of the bare bow shot and be as consistent as possible in order to really get a, a, a correct or at least as close to correct tune as possible. Um, you know, if you are constantly plucking, if you are constantly, you know, just ripping your hand back, um, if you have this exaggerated, you know, one of these things, and if you aren't doing it exactly the same every time, hey, I mean, to each their own, you shoot how you want to shoot. And if you're happy with results, shoot that way. But that's one of the reasons, you know, after working with John, um, and really kind of getting some like light bulb moments over the last year of playing with NTS and, and now shooting more of a linear natural shot, shot sequence that Dick Tone teaches. Um, I will tell you that less is more people, less is more, less here, less movement throughout the entire shot. Get it there, leave it there, stay relaxed, hold the tip of the arrow have the focus back here on just duplicating your release and keeping it literally not letting go, refusing to let go, let that string pull through your fingers. And the movement that happens is strictly from the, the um, is the opposite movement of that tension from the string pulling through your fingers. You don't add anything to it. That's where the highest level of repeatability is. Take that to the bank. Um, so right-handed archer, figure three illustrates the left tear. The arrow point entry is the right and the knock is left end of the tear. So the shaft is too weak. You're going to have um, on, on a weak shaft, you will have arrows hitting way to the right, um, specifically the bear shaft. Um, if the tear is like one to three inches, the shaft can be stiffened by decreasing point weight decreasing bow strength or shortening the arrow. If the tear is greater than three inches, the shaft is just too weak. Select a, stif a stiffer shaft. 
if you have a really, really consistent and amazingly repeatable release, you can get away with shooting a little bit of a weaker arrow shaft. Um, not everyone can do that. And it will still be consistent. Again, tune is really dictated in many ways by form. If your form is, is super, super <coughs> repeatable and, and there's not a lot of added torque into your shot anywhere, um, you know, tuning will be really easy and you can tune multiple, multiple sets. Figure four illustrates the right tear. The arrow point entry is, is to the left and the knock is to the right uh, end of the tear. The shaft is too stiff. If the tear is one to three inches, the shaft can be weakened by increasing the point weight, increasing bow strength, or getting a longer arrow. If you tear, if your tear is greater than three inches, the shaft is too stiff, select a weaker shaft. Then it goes into showing a horizontal tear less than an inch is acceptable. Obviously, you need to, it needs to be relative to what your expectations are. Single hole is ideal for recurve archers. For bare bow, slightly stiff arrow is better than a slightly weak arrow. Couldn't agree more. Careful trimming arrows, three-eighths of an inch can be significant. So just, and just to explain, the idea there is, and I'll give you an example of what I do for, for tuning for 18 meters and 50 meters, because that's primarily what I compete in. 18 meters, I shoot a full length or almost full length, might be a quarter inch or half inch cut off the end. Uh, Carbon Express RZ, okay? That arrow is full length because as the arrow is longer, it brings my aim point down. Then my crawl isn't as big. I shoot 125 grain tip up front and 100 millimeter excess wings. I personally, this is my preference, I personally want my indoor and outdoor crawl to be as close as possible. I want my anchor point to be as close as possible. Not everyone's capable of doing that, but I have it to set to the point where I can shoot the same bow, take my RZ, go and shoot um, 18 meters, and then my crawl is super, super close for um, 50 meter outdoor, shorter arrow, lighter tip, spined correctly so that I get good arrow flight at 50 meters, you know, my crawl is only yay much for, for both um, indoor and outdoor. I want it to be consistent. Again, it's, 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 it's in, in the world of repeatability, right? If I'm shooting a single distance, I can't have any markers, you know, I, like on a string, like a, a fixed crawl or whatever. I want to for the purpose of repeatability, I don't want to have to crawl this far every time to shoot 18 meters. I can, what's the likelihood of me making a mistake crawling this far versus crawling this far? So I set my bow up accordingly so that I don't, so that it's similar to what my indoor and out, my indoor and outdoor crawl is similar. That's just my theory. You do, you do you, um, but I, don't want to change my release. I don't want to change my anchor point. I don't, I want to just adapt my equipment to, to the way I shoot so that my form consistency stays the same. That's just the way I teach things, the way I work with my shooters, um, et cetera, et cetera. It goes through with the left-handed archer, explains everything for a left-handed archer. It's pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going to spend any time on that. Checking paper tune um plunger adjustment that's what i want to get into so 
If the arrow is grouped to the left of the center, turn the plunger counterclockwise, weakening the spring. So we are talking about this. If arrows group left of center on that side, we're turning it counterclockwise. So um, I'm doing this according to you know my video. So I'm I'm on here. I'm hitting way left. I need to take tension off of the plunger. So I'm turning it. This is counterclockwise. So I'm turning it counterclockwise and it's going to make the plunger uh, um, weaker. You may have to go quite a bit. Um, right now, this thing is pretty stiff. I'm not gonna lie. So move that back, that's better. Um, so with that, with that being said, when you take make that, that weaker, when you make the, the spring weaker that's inside this plunger, um, whatever your plunger is, it's magnetic or whatever, um, you, and you lose, then that arrow will come back to the right. If you're hitting to the right, and it probably goes into that here. Um, no, it doesn't. Um, I'm going to go back. If you're hitting to the right, you're, go you're going to add tension to the plunger. You see a lot of times in tournaments where you see, you know, people are just cranking on their plunger, cranking on their plunger. You have to understand that there is a, there is a window of tune on your plunger. You only get so many clicks on the plunger before you are out of tune. So if you are doing something, again, going back to repeatable form, if you are doing something that is making you hit like way left, way right, your string alignment on your risers, crap, you know, who knows what's going on, and you start chasing it with the, plun the plunger, you very well may be taking yourself, especially if your tune, like say you get your tune and you're right near the um, kind of like the edge of the tune. So if, if we had to like make a diagram, your tune is in here, right? Your forgiveness area is here. And then your plunger gives you this, this much adjustment. Well, if you're like right at the end of that initial tune and you get, you start cranking on your plunger, you may end up getting out way outside of where your best groups are gonna be. Um, you're going the wrong direction, but that's because that's where you originally tuned at. I hope that makes sense. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, you know, I guess, I guess if like looking at this plunger, let's say that this distance where this plunger sit, is setting at is, um, is I got it to tune left and right, and um, I'm out of adjustment on my plunger at this point. Say so I can't go any fur further. Um, if that's the case, and you start hitting and say, you know, this is, say this is weak, um, and I'm hitting to the right, or I'm, I'm sorry, say it's stiff, and I need to take off, but I can't move my plunger anymore. That's because I'm not really in my tune. I'm, I'm just on the edge of where acceptable tune is. And I probably need to go back to the drawing board. Um, let's see here. Plunger adjustments provide fine tuning relative to changing bow strength and arrow spine. If you use them when the tune is close uh, to, it should be used when tuning is close to being good. Uh, the other thing, if you're getting like really crappy aeroflight, um, or you are tuning and you get to like, say you get like nine o'clock on the nine and you can't go any further, right? 
say you have like a really you have the stiffest spring in you've tuned your aero flight is good but no matter what you do you're consistently hitting nine o'clock nine nine o'clock eight nine o'clock nine nine o'clock nine you have no room on the plunger you need to look at like going to the middle the medium spring or a lighter spring and go back and forth you know essentially there's there's some rule of thumb on on what spring you go with i personally always start with the middle spring first um and i've had weird situations where bows react different and you, you go exactly the opposite of what you think is going to happen try them all don't you know don't get yourself frustrated if you've tried the the medium spring and you you know and then went to the you're like there's no way that it should take a lighter spring there's no way and you go to the heavy spring neither one of them work you're getting the same result or or whatever or the best result still the medium um you know, and you're getting the same result with the stiff, go to the weaker one. And maybe it's the, it's at the, when you put the weaker spring in, you know, it's at the stiffest part of the weaker spring. Um, that's where your tune is. So you're, so you're super close to medium to, to, to light, but you just have to, you have to play around with it. You can't just assume it's going to work. And by all means, people, whatever you do, please try to, um, try to set yourself with point on for everything. All right. So back to discussion about the plunger adjustment. Sorry, I had to step away for a minute. Um, in regards to right-handed archer, if the arrows group to the left of center, turn the plunger Counterclockwise weaken the spring preload. If the arrows are right of center, turn the plunger clockwise to strengthen the spring preload. Obviously, it's opposite for a left-handed archer. And understand that when you are adjusting the tension of the spring, you are not changing the center shot. The, 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 the plunger in center shot stays where it's at. It's just the amount of tension that when that arrow pushes off of the plunger, it's a little bit weaker or a little bit stronger. So it's either moving less or moving more. And you have to find that, that, that uh, sweet spot for tuning where that plunger needs to be. Um, if you are shooting very good groups and neither method above work, adjusting your aim or anchor will move groups. This may change your style of aiming. It's one of the peculiar aspects of barebow shooting. Tuning barebow is not as straightforward as tuning a recurve bow. Shooting barebow is a skill all of its own. Plunger adjustments provide fine tuning relative to changing bow strength and arrow spine. It should be used when tune is close to being good. So again, you do not have to aim on or aim on the gold or aim six o'clock on the gold. You don't have to do that. But for ultimate accuracy, in my personal opinion, I always, always, always try to get all of my kids and all of the shooters I work with aiming point on always indoors and outdoors as close to 50 meters like if you can't get point on um and you do have to change i will i will say like again so i was saying earlier that my goal is to um is to have the same anchor indoor to outdoor but if you can't get point on with that anchor and making adjustments to the arrow the length of the arrow um then I'm going to have to start playing around with anchor, change an anchor, one finger over, two under, shortening the arrow, 
and then adjusting tip weight as necessary to make sure that you you keep your tune, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, this, this document that Rick had put together is, is very well put together. It's sort of the sim more simple side of tuning. And most people are just here. Most people just know how to throw a plunger on. They whip, whip a rest together and, you know, their goal is, is to, uh, to make it work. Um, so Rick has the rise and drop me method. If you, if you have a minimum space indoors for your backyard, try this method. It requires less than 10 meters. Rise and drop method is intended to shrink for string walking. Trad style will not be affected by the rise method. Um, I don't really do that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, what that, what, I guess what, what you're looking at there is, um, if, on the bottom last paragraph, if arrows drift to either right or left of center, as you increase your crawl, more tuning may be required. So that's basically saying that you're not in a straight line. If you go from 18 meters to 50 meters and your groups move five, six inches to the left uh, every single time, then you know that your tune is not right. Um, and that's what this is, is re basically reviewing. Um, and then Rick goes through the pattern and analysis of the rise method talking about that if you uh if your arrows are left of center stiffen the spring until the arrows are near center line or move plunger to the right of the center shot it goes through explaining if this is your um you know your what crawl would this be in the bottom here this would be your 20 10 meter crawl down at the bottom um, you shoot 10 meters at the bottom and then you shoot, you know, standing close 10 meters to the target and you shoot 10 meters and 20 meters, 30 meters, 40 meters, 50 meters. And you're showing if your center set, it's basically like a walk back method. Um, the walk back tune that you use in compound, pretty simple, um, and straightforward and, and will identify. I don't typically use it. I usually get pretty close and then can adjust from there, but, um, this is a good way to really, hone in your tune and make sure that, yeah, this is, this is 100% correct. You know, then if you are rising to the left, that either you are too stiff if, for a right-handed shooter. If you are, you are at 10 yards, 10 meters, 20 meters, and you get back to 50 meters and you're, let's just hypothetically say that's six, seven, eight inches to the left. Um, you know, you're too stiff or your center shot is out too stiff on the spring center shot is out. Um, there's multiple ways to kind of break that down, but you need to figure it out on your own. Uh, got a note here, approximate one quarter turn, 90 degrees of the plunger spring will move the arrows four inches. That's four meters. Um, drop method, see full explanation. Let's see, tuning for tens. Tuning for perfection. This is a beginning of true fine tuning. This can be done during normal practice, but requires consistency to be effective. So choose long distance, 50, 60 meters, shoot six ends of six arrows, take note of your plunger settings, mark it on a chart um, of the groups using either a drawing of the target or use an app from the app store, individually plot the arrows in the location. Stiffen the plunger, half turn, shoot another six ends, six arrows, and make a new chart for this group. And label it, continuous process until the groups start to open up. Be sure to record that number of half turns on each chart. So what Rick's taking you through here is just a really, really fine tuning process of checking when your groups are the tightest and when they're not. Again, we're talking 
you need to be super consistent. If you are spraying them all over the target at 50 meters, this method isn't going to work for you. We emphasize often, you know, don't spend money on $1,500 bows. Spend a couple hundred dollars on coaching because like he says down at the bottom here, excellence takes persistence. Yeah, there's that you can't, that's as, that's as accurate of a statement as you can be. Um, in order for something like this to work, you need to be able to you know, keep your arrows in the red, uh, at least. Um, and you're going to see your groups will, you know, expand as your tune gets wider and wider, your groups get wider and wider as your tune gets closer and closer, you know, you're, you're shooting groups like this at 50 meters. Um, so, uh, indexing knocks, um, I think this is pretty cut and dry, um, I don't think there should be anything crazy uh, to, to talk about knocks. I do not have um, on my bow, um, I do not have a, um, um, what am I going to say? Uh, I do not have my excess wings directly out. My excess wings, my knock is slightly low so that the wings split the plunger and the rest. So instead of being in directly out, um, and I'll tell you what I can do, I can kind of explain that here by drawing it. So I'm going to pull up the screen. I'm gonna go over here. So my wings will look something like this, this, and this. So my knock is this, that's a terrible, depiction right there clear my drawing um it's more of a split this way and then this fletching is up just a little bit okay and then they split the plunger right here if that makes sense you know so you're like right there and my riser's right here. It's not a very consistent riser. You know, so something like that. Um, and I do that, I have it set that way so that the, um, let's see here. So that those fletchings are splitting it. If you get contact, it's usually on the lower right one. If I do get contact, it's usually more of a knock point issue than not. Um, and you have to play around with that. And if your knock point, you know, starts to move around, if you tie the movable, the ones that you can twist and move, a lot of times they'll move on their own, stuff like that. Um, I do like this part, this 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 part of bear, uh, tuning for barebow. Um, Rick goes through with this document, um, and it's it's an excellent tool. Goes through everything, all the information that you need for um for consistent tuning and then to be able to check it so like for example and i i was looking through i put a post in the barrel project group and there was um you know a question about brace heights and bow lengths stuff like that and i'll, I'll talk about it a little bit but i'm not going to go like into grave detail um i'll talk about that more when i do the discussion on risers and 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 limbs um, but you know, this document shows you upper tiller, 
is here. So it's the, the base of the riser or the, well, the base of the top limb against the riser. Um, the brace height, we know that's the throat of the bow to the string, lower tiller, the opposite end, base of the limb next to the riser. You know, I start all of my, um, my tiller, I pretty much am even all the time. It's very rare. I've gone, um, I guess, negative on the bottom. I don't, tried shooting that way it created inconsistencies uh put a lot of pressure on that bottom finger and i kept healing the bow from having that that awkward um tiller i just i go even tiller all the time um length of string number of strands i like a thicker string i'm always 16 18 strand um personally where your knock point is arrow brand and size arrow length point weight type of knock type of fletching, length of fletching, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's about it. So that's actually the full, uh, the full document here. And there's a bunch of other stuff. Oh, and the, in the appendix, um, Rick has a couple of doc, uh, diagrams here showing different anchors, you know, um, he's got this huge string walk here in figure one, um, a little bit of a forward anchor, which Rick actually, He's a little bit further back, I thought, but um, looking a little bit like uh, a John Dillinger anchor right there. Um, he's toward the front of his face. Um, got two fingers on the string. I'm not quite sure who that is. Um, in figure two, Rick's got another one here showing a little bit of a different anchor. He still has a similar similar hook, though, an NTS-style hook. Uh, deeper hook in that on the first finger, second finger, thumb pad, or finger pad of the third finger. Um, then you have some other uh, di diagrams down here. You got like a face walker, you got a lower anchor here, and you got an Olympic recurve style below the chin type anchor here, um, down the front of the chin. That is definitely a, um, that's really close to Olympic recurve other, with, with string walking. I can't imagine. I've shot that way and it just puts so much pressure on that bottom finger not interested at all <laughs> um that's just me though um you guys like i said you do you um all of his uh definitions are here and and um gap shooting using a distance between the arrow point and the target as an elevation gauge um instinctive most popular method of shooting traditional bow and single shooting is the ability to use both hand and eye coordination um to send an arrow where the archer is looking goes over just everything's here point of aim um string walking crawling tuning etc um i think that's about it i don't think there's anything else to go this is what i'm going to do the um tuning for barebow link will be located in the uh, comments or sorry in the description of this episode so you'll be able to find it there um rick has it available through uh the texasarchery.org um links right here it's uh www.texasarchery.org resources backslash 39 dash tuning so um but we'll put that in there so you guys can see it and then we'll go from there i'm probably gonna do some more like explanation type podcasts um oh you know what Let, let's talk about one more thing as we're going through this talk about string blur because um we this that's not mentioned in here because string blur 
isn't necessarily a tuning thing, but these diagrams give you a good idea. And I want people to understand that you should look at your string blur. I know in the first year of shooting Barabow, I never looked at string blur. However, I did not shoot outdoors and it wasn't until I shot outdoors preparing for 2020 outdoor target nationals that I realized it's a, it is, it is super valuable. Um, not using string blur is the difference between eights and tens indoors and the difference between tens and sixes outdoors, um, six and sevens. Like you, you, your group, you can shoot a great group, but it's going to be left or right or whatever. Um, so in Olympic recurve, um, Okay, so I wanted to explain the string blur because Olympic recurve, this is what they teach in the NTS. Um, this is very difficult for barebow and people are constantly, you know, this is one of those things like, oh, you can do it, you can do it. This is the way you do it. You move your head and do all this and do that. Listen, this is, this is what is recommended for Olympic recurve anchor um and string blur being close to or near the sight pin they show this as correct in my personal opinion please forget this unless you're anchoring in the front of your chin it that string is going to end up being to the right somewhere near the edge of the riser um which is why i had that um previous um uh diagram pulled up i'm gonna find that again where is that google oh right here so on this diagram the reason that i thought of this looking at this diagram was you they're they're showing that it's way out you know essentially where this string is right now right because of the bare bow anchor you're going to be on the side of your face from here to here that string blur has to change um i am an advocate for not moving your head or as minimal as possible okay for repeatability purposes um if you're moving it, at least you're like, make sure you're moving it in a way that's not taking you out of um, like putting you in a bad position. If you have to anchor and do this every time to come into your anchor, um, if, because you're trying to get a, a special, you know, alignment or whatever, you know, don't, don't overemphasize that. If you line your string up and I'm going to annotate this so you can see it, I'm going to annotate it and um i'm gonna in red right here right this is an option it's not a straight line i'm sorry but if you somewhere on the inside of your riser middle of your riser outside of your riser it can be out by the plunger because of the way i anchor because of my biomechanical positioning my body structure my face structure it's going to change for everyone so if anybody tells you Oh, well, you know, you have to be at, at inside the riser. You have to be outside the riser. They're full of, you know what? 
because everybody's built differently. Everybody's going to have a different anchor. Everyone's going to have a different facial structure. As long as you do it the same and you're in a good, strong, yet comfortable position, that's what matters. Um, and it's just one of those things where you have to figure out what works for you. What works for me is my string blur is all the way out here. The reason it's all the way out there is because I don't anchor heavy into my face. I try not to move my head and then I tune for that anchor. I'm still down the middle. I don't, I don't have any, I just, my tune is a little bit different. It's not significant, but it's significant enough that it, the visual, the movement back here is minimal ratio of movement. Talk about it NTS about that two millimeter expansion at the clicker. That isn't a movement. It's not really a movement. They call it ratio of movement. You can't see it. It's not visible. It's so such a minute amount, but it makes such a big difference. This is essentially that. This is ratio of movement. It is one of those things where I'm going to redraw that. I shouldn't have deleted it. I'm going to redraw where my string blur is. It's way out here. Hold on. It's way out here at the edge of my plunger. As long as you are at least paying mind to it, if you start hitting off, sitting left, hitting right, before you go cranking on a plunger or making tuning adjustments, check your string blur. Make sure you know where your string blur is and that if you start hitting off, that you are at least remembering. You're like, you don't have to look at it every time. Sometimes when you're in the zone, you don't need to look at it. You're just focusing on the shot. Things are going great. You're boom, boom, boom down the middle. But then all of a sudden, you know, you get into qualifications are over and you're getting into eliminations and um, you're shooting head to heads. And then all of a sudden you get a little tense and you're anchoring pretty hard in your face and your string blur moves and then your groups move. Your groups are good, but they're off to the left or off to the right. You need to be able to go back and double check where's my string blur at. I'm doing something different. That's the reason I'm bringing that up in this tuning discussion is because if we aren't paying attention to those things, we get false reads, false tunes, or we make bad adjustments. And those adjustments aren't a bow issue. It's a you issue. It's a me issue. It's a, it's a, a consistency issue. So, you know, you have to understand that if you were on for the last 12 ends at 50 meters, and then all of a sudden the next day that tune changed, there are times, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is like 100% of the time, it's, that's what it is. I, there are times where temperature changes can affect your bow, your string, weather, you know, the location of the sun affects maybe the you know, the way you aim off the tip of the air a little bit. But not typically is it significant. Um, if you have big, big changes, um, one of the reasons I don't shoot the ZT anymore is because these screws in the back right here have a tendency to back themselves out. Um, and indoor nationals two years ago, um, they must have been backing themselves out. I didn't check them before I shot, my fault. Um, and my, my wire was slowly sliding down the entire time, didn't know. Shot like a 276 first half, 274. I don't know. I shot a good first half um, of the first day. Second half came, all of a sudden, like something else, everything was 
something was weird. So I went to adjust it and it was that loose, adjusted it, the wire right down now, complete equipment failure. Um, you want to talk about trying to keep your composure, but I don't want to deal with that. So I eventually went to the, the free flight, you know, super, it's a little bulky, but it's got good adjustments on it. You have plenty of go. This is a, that custom um, bent spring that allows for clearance underneath. So if you look at it from this way, you can see how, you know, your plungers in like this, let's see. You know, you, you can see how that, I mean, this isn't set perfect because I was adjusting it, but the, this is out of the way. And then you can also, which um, I'm going to be playing around with here shortly. You can actually take this um, magnet, flip flop the magnet to make this like a drop away. Whereas, so the weight of the arrow will hold this out. And then when it, as soon as the arrow paradoxes at, at sh sh the shot and the arrow comes off of it, it's gonna it's gonna suck itself in from the magnet. Um, it's pretty neat, actually. Dick Tone taught me that. I just haven't messed around with it enough yet. I'll probably be doing that this week. Um, so at any rate, not now that I've kind of gone off on a little bit of a tangent, just understand that when you are making these adjustments to tuning, make sure that you have a plan. Make sure that you're double checking your grip. Make sure you're not putting any awkward tension on that grip know the ins and outs of your grip know that you're setting your grip the right way know your hook um i know i've seen demer on multiple occasions make adjustments midstream because he was catching he catches puts a little too much tension on that bottom finger gets caught up on the string and he and, you know like you you have to know the ins and outs of your form so so in intimately that you can kind of like check those off the list before you start cranking on things um it's no different than shooting compound and and telling a student or a shooter don't adjust anything it's something that you're doing um and i need you to just check off the list i'm doing setting my hook right setting my grip right string alignment you know stance is correct and, and before you go like bat shit crazy <laughs> adjusting all of this extra stuff um that's about it i just wanted to you know this is this is kind of like part one this may like the a plunger like setting the plunger on on a bow here's my biter um and going through different um plungers and stuff like that i might get a whiffler plunger and and go through like setting them on the actual riser and we might we might play around with some stuff i'll pull out some of my vintage risers and and start putting stuff on those so you guys can see you know the basic um the premise on how to do that um but thanks for following along again thank you so much to our sponsors yost archery products arizona archery products xs wings one more arrow um and uh paul yager from uh yager archery products he's uh he's a good dude he 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 sends he sends stuff really fast he's doing he's just making some awesome stuff he's making the casey coffle grip um and you know i i got uh 
I appreciate Paul a lot. He really does a lot for us and, and for our tree community in general. Um, so make sure you guys check them out and, and thank you so much to those guys. It's going to be, if you guys have any recommendations, you need any follow-ups to this, um, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, you know, Facebook Messenger is always your best bet. However, um, feel free to just put it in the comments. And if I can do a video response, I will. Um, we have the the other stuff. I can address it with John or maybe Grayson. If, if I know John and I will be recording here in the near future. And we'll go from there. Um, thank you so much for all of your support. And make sure you go to our Teespring store and, and get yourself a t-shirt. They ship within like 14 days. So go do that. All right. Peace out, everyone. Those of you that are out there shooting, good luck. And if uh, see you in the, on the competition line, hopefully sometime soon.